The Gov Innovator Podcast is sponsored by MDRC, committed to finding solutions to some of the most difficult problems facing the nation, from reducing poverty to bolstering economic self-sufficiency to improving public education and college graduation rates. To learn more, visit mdrc.org. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Andy Feldman. Our focus today is an important tool for any public agency that's committed to building evidence about what works and using that evidence to inform policy and practice. The topic, agency evaluation policies. My guests are Naomi Goldstein from the Administration for Children and Families at HHS and Molly Irwin from the Department of Labor. A small but growing number of federal agencies have what's known as an evaluation policy. They're public documents, and you can check them out online, that describe the principles that those agencies seek to promote when they conduct program evaluations. They're principles like rigor, relevance, transparency, independence, and ethics. While only a handful of agencies or departments have these policies today, Every federal agency could benefit from one. In fact, state and local government agencies could as well. To learn more, we're joined by two leading evaluation experts within the federal government, Naomi Goldstein, who's a Deputy Assistant Secretary within OPRE, that's the Office of Planning, Research, and Evaluation at the Administration for Children and Families at HHS, and Molly Irwin, who's the Chief Evaluation Officer at the Department of Labor. Naomi and Molly, welcome to you both. It's good to be with you. Naomi, lead us off, if you would. Tell us about the Administration for Children and Families Evaluation Policy. Sure. ACF established an evaluation policy in 2012. We hoped to formalize our agency's commitment to learning and outline a few key governing principles. We wanted to clarify those principles, to disseminate them both internally and externally, and to bolster them and protect them against potential threats. So in developing the policy, we reviewed existing policies. For example, the U.S. Agency for International Development had a policy. We looked at GAO reports on the role of federal evaluation offices, and we looked at the American Evaluation Association's roadmap for federal evaluation. And we settled on five principles, rigor, relevance, transparency, independence, and ethics. I know those principles are in both the ACF evaluation policy as well as the Department of Labor, so we can draw on both you and Molly to walk us through them. If you want to start, Naomi, tell us what the evaluation policy means by rigor. Rigor means that we try to get as close as we can to the truth. Uh, I do want to emphasize that we don't use rigor as shorthand for randomized control trials, although people sometimes do use it that way. So Uh, Our principle states that rigor is important for any type of evaluation, whether that's an impact evaluation, a descriptive evaluation, or a qualitative evaluation, whatever type of evaluation we're doing. We try to use the best scientific methods available so that we can get the most accurate answers available. Mm -hmm. Rigor includes internal validity um, as well as external validity, so that means that it uh, requires being clear about uh, the universe to which Uh, findings can generalize. It means using measures that are sound and reliable. And, of course, it has to be tempered by uh, feasibility considerations, such as cost. That's helpful. Molly, switching to you, I know that DOL's evaluation policy was launched in 2013, a year after ACFs and largely modeled on ACFs, including the same principles. The second principle is relevance. Tell us how you all define that. So relevance is really making sure that the questions that we're answering are relevant to the program operators and policymakers that'll be using the information in the end. So relevance is really thinking about what are the policy questions that 
folks have. Working with them really closely up front as we're starting a study or thinking about a study to make sure we're defining it in a way that the information that we get will be useful to them. And relevance also really includes work at the back end, making sure that once we have findings, that we're sitting down and working with the program folks, the policy makers, to look at the findings and to think about what the implications are so that they can put those into practice. It also includes things like making sure that that information is written in a way that's easily accessible, is placed in a place that folks can get at it. We post things on the web. So it's really this idea of making sure that the work that we do is useful for the end users. All right, we're on a roll. We're up to the third principle in both your evaluation policies, which is transparency. Naomi, would you take that one for us? Yes, transparency about methods and data is really important to allow others to replicate and critique our work. So our policy states that we will make information about our plan and ongoing evaluations easily accessible, and also that we will release results regardless of the findings. So whether they are favorable, unfavorable, or null, we will release them. We will release comprehensive results, uh, we will explain our methods, and we'll release the results timely. Mm-hmm. Molly. So so the one thing that, that I would add to transparency, one of the ways that we do that is we make the commitment up front whenever we let a contract for a new study. We put a one-pager on our webpage that says we're going to do this study to answer these questions in this time frame so that it's clear to anybody that the study is happening and they'll know where to look for it. And then we commit at the back end to release, as Naomi said, the findings regardless of of what they are. So Andy, along those lines, both DOL and ACF increasingly are moving toward what you might call advanced transparency, registering our studies with various appropriate registries that exist specifically so that evaluation design plans can be publicly available uh, when a study begins. Um, We also, of course, send our data collection plans to the Office of Management and Budget for approval, and those are all publicly available. And for major studies, not yet for all studies, but for major studies, we typically do release a, a design plan in advance. Yep. And I think, or at least hope, we'll see more federal agencies following ACF's lead on that and releasing design plans prior to their studies. Molly, if you can explain the next principle for us, which is independence. So independence and objectivity, I think, are core principles of evaluation. And as I was talking about before with relevance, we work really hard to make sure that agency leadership and program staff are really involved in identifying priorities and questions. But once the study begins, we really try and insulate the conduct of the study from the policy and program influence. So we want it to be an independent evaluation, really to make sure that there is no real or even appearance of bias based on current priorities or based on folks who are really involved in programs and and have a vested interest in them. We want to make sure that the evaluation is is independent. 
To do that, we do a number of things. The overwhelming majority of our studies are done through contracts and grants to independent third-party external evaluators. In terms of releasing reports and findings, we have a review process, but the ultimate decision to release reports is really resides with the chief evaluation yep. officer. Just to build on what Molly said, a broad range of stakeholders, including policymakers, should be involved in deciding the questions, but they shouldn't be involved in deciding the answers. Those are empirical. Mm-hmm. Well said. Naomi, take the last one for us, if you would, last but not least, which is ethics. Sure. So our fifth and last principle, ethics, uh, requires that we conduct our evaluations with attention to safeguarding the dignity, rights, safety, and privacy of participants. So there are extensive uh, laws and regulations and principles related to research using human subjects, and we aim to comply with both the spirit and the letter. Okay, excellent. So we've walked through the principles that both ACF and DOL have in their evaluation plans, and that's fundamental background to this topic. But stepping back now, tell us, has the evaluation policy been useful to your agency? And if so, why? Naomi? Uh, I think the policy has been useful in a number of ways. First of all, the process of developing the policy forced us to clarify our goals and principles. And I think having a policy that's relatively pithy and has five principles that trip off the tongue has helped to make those principles part of the the paradigm, the way we see the world, the way we explain our work. Um, and I think both Molly and I have gone to some lengths to make sure that those principles are familiar both within our offices and outside. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I think it's really a great grounding for staff to think about what we're doing and what's important. I think it's also a great way to establish relationships with the program operators and policy folks who we're working with. I think as we go through the process of identifying priorities with them, we spend a lot of time up front talking about the research process and talking about the importance of relevance and working with them to really make sure that we're answering questions that are going to be useful to them, that that will give them information on which to make decisions in the future, information that will help them write the next funding announcement or budget justification. Um, and then it's also helpful to have a place to, to talk about the importance of transparency, that we're we make a commitment to being transparent. We're going to tell folks we're doing this study and we're going to put the information out there regardless of if the findings are, our findings we're happy with or not. And I think being able to have something to point to up front to talk about that is really helpful. I want to close by asking each of you about your advice for other agencies that want to adopt an evaluation policy themselves. Obviously, one piece of advice is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are good examples out there that we've discussed on this podcast that you can draw on. Any other pieces of advice for agencies? So a couple of pieces of advice. I think for something like this that we hope will be important, not just for the evaluation office, but for the agency as a whole, it's important to have discussions and get feedback from stakeholders throughout the agency as well as leadership. Either one without the other 
is probably not going to get you where you need to go. So that would be my advice. I would agree with Naomi. I think it's really important to make sure that you have the buy-in of of the agency. This is DOL's evaluation policy. It's not just CEO's evaluation policy. And I think, you know, it's not just CEO that uses it. Many of the agencies within the Department of Labor and, and many of the program offices in ACF also have units within their program office or agency that are doing evaluations and data analysis activities. And these principles are useful for them too. So we want it to be something that the whole agency shares, not just a document for folks in the evaluation Mm -hmm. office. Mm -hmm. That's a good reminder. It's the whole department's evaluation policy, not just that of the CEO, Chief Evaluation Office. For our listeners, I'll include links on the podcast website to ACF's and DOL's evaluation policies. You may also want to check out other agencies' policies like that of HUD and also the Corporation for National and Community Service. My thanks to Molly Irwin and Naomi Goldstein for being with us today. Good to be with you both. Thank you so much, Andy. Thanks for having us.